Welcome back to the Real Life Theology Podcast hosted by Renew. My name is Chris. Really glad to be with you again today. Today we have another message by Reese Nealon, and he talks about how Jesus really understands us, how he's fully God and he's fully man, and he walked through a lot of pain and hardship in life, so he really can relate with us. I think that's really important about the character of Jesus when we look at his life and his ministry and his sacrifice on the cross. So we're going to go ahead and jump into what Reese has to say today. Before we do that, I wanted to make a couple announcements. The first one is we are moving our Real Life Theology podcast to Wednesday morning. Instead of Tuesday, it's going to be on Wednesday morning every week. We also have some really great new podcasts coming out on Renew's channel. The first is Step Into Scripture. It's with Tina Wilson. She does a really cool job just diving into Scripture. She has a co-host with her. We just invite you to join in and check out that podcast. The second one is Scripture in Black and White. It's with our founder, Bobby Harrington, and Anthony Walker, who's a pastor in Murfreesboro at a Church of Christ. And they really dive into Scripture. They look at how the text in a lot of ways can be a lot more black and white than a lot of people think. People get confused about things. They just break it down the very easy to understand way and help you apply it to your life. So we just invite you to check out these new podcasts. We're really excited about them. Scripture in black and white is going to be coming out on Tuesdays. And Step Into Scripture with Tina is going to be coming out on Thursday. So we'll have the Real Life Theology, still the normal podcast, on Wednesdays every week. Just move it in a day. And then we have those other two resources as well. So we should invite you to join in with what we're doing with all of that. Thanks for listening today. I'm going to start over in uh, Psalm chapter 34. As you go through the years and you know your Bible, what happens many times is that verses that you know and may have read, something happens in your life and then it has a special meaning. Then it has a new meaning. Then it has perhaps a life-changing meaning. So in Psalm 34, in verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and loves and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I'll go on and read a little more. A righteous man may have many troubles. You know, I would like that verse better if that word many wasn't in there. But it says a righteous man will have many troubles but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Have you ever felt like this? Your soul is crushed in spirit. You are brokenhearted. Something has happened in your life that will not be easy to overcome. A challenge has presented itself that is uniquely tough to endure and persevere and overcome. And you just feel broken. Some of you here today may feel broken. I have felt broken in the recent past. You know, those kind of times where it's, there's always trouble. You know, 
We don't like to remember all the promises of Jesus because one of them is John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. You know, we would, uh, we'd prefer that verse would not be in there. So there's always challenges, but then there's seasons where it's especially hard. And you may be saying, um, boy, things are going pretty good in my life. I'm not sure how this sermon or message is going to apply to me. Uh, I feel feel good. Um, just got to be honest with you, it's not going to last. I don't know when it's coming. It may be tomorrow or next week or next year or five years from now. But there is something devastating that's going to come into your life, and it may have to do with some things that are especially significant. So if you haven't heard what happened, particularly Mary Kay is here with me today, is that uh, we had retired at the end of last year. We were living in St. Augustine, Florida, living the dream. And then uh, we got a phone call. And the next thing you know, I found out, we found out that my oldest son, Robbie, who lives up in Santa Clarita, that he, uh, his wife had left the church and had left him and had filed for divorce. Even though there was no scriptural reason for divorce. Robbie was left with primary custody of a eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old. Robbie is a very accomplished and uh, educated and has an engineering job and all that. And so uh, Mary Kay and I decided to move back to Florida or to California, the Santa Clarita, just about a year ago. And uh, we moved in with Robbie to help take care of my three grandchildren. But the thing was, I mean, I felt, we felt a level of brokenness that I probably couldn't, I don't even know how many years. You know, the dreams of your parents, the dreams you have for your children. My son, Robbie, who was baptized at 13 years old, that's, you're new to the church here, that's when he made his decision to follow Jesus. He's, Jesus has been Lord of his life. Ever since then, he has remained faithful. He is faithful today. And, you know, when you do it the right way and you marry the right way, God's way, and then this happens, it's devastating. So for probably three months, I just felt so depressed, so sad. I guess we're being honest here. I was angry. I have a problem with that. I don't know. I bet there's some other men here who relate to that. And maybe even women. But I was, you say, well, you know, you've been here a year. Why haven't you been, uh, come back to preach before now? Well, Raphael asked me several times. He asked me early last year. And I said, you know, I just do not, where I'm at in my life, I do not have that in me. I'm not proud of it. But it took me several months like a phoenix to begin rising from the ashes. (laughs) 
And this scripture, which I've read many times, but never meant to me before what it means now, the promise that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. In fact, if you've ever heard me preach in recent years, then you know that I have one point and one point only to every sermon. And the point today is that Jesus heals the brokenhearted. And that's a lesson that you're gonna need. If you don't need it now, you're gonna need it. And we're not talking about just the normal challenges of life. You know, we're talking about those times where you feel broken. All I can say is, if you let him, if you embrace him, Jesus heals the brokenhearted. If you're crushed in spirit, if your soul is crushed, that's very strong language, isn't it? Soul-crushing events. Jesus can heal you. You know, we, we like to sing this song in the church, Jesus will fix it. Trouble come my way. Jesus will fix it. And I believe that's true, but the thing is, a lot of times what we want is we want the miracle that's gonna remove our troubles and the fix is that, you know, everything will be changed. Well, of course we pray for that, and, but sometimes there's an even greater miracle waiting, and that is that things don't change. But we're able, through Jesus, to rise above the events of our life that have left us devastated and find joy and peace. And as Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you heavy burdened. Take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your souls. That may not be the miracle we want, but that may be the miracle that we get. And I can share fresh that it is possible for souls and hearts to be lifted in the midst of Terrible challenges. Look over in Hebrews chapter two. I'm gonna share a few things here. I will try to move quickly that I have been meditating on, scriptures that I've been reading, praying through, thinking about during this time that have helped me to uh, come to a different place than I was back at the beginning of last year. But in Hebrews chapter two, and it is interesting that you didn't know the Hebrew letter was written to Christians, Jewish Christians, who were thinking about leaving their faith in Jesus and going back to what some sort of religion that they had experienced before. And so the whole letter is, is great. And it's all about all the reasons you should not go back, you should not leave Jesus. And very early on in chapter 2, Right at the very beginning, after he just sort of introduces things, the Hebrew writer says this in verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, too, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death, for surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. 
That's us for the reason, for that reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for all the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So the title of the sermon is Made Like Us. Something that will help you is to understand that Jesus came. He didn't just come to die on a cross. He didn't just drop out of heaven. But he was born. He was fully human. He was born like we were. He was made like us so that he could have the full human experience. So that whatever we're going through, whatever challenges we have, Jesus personally either experienced it himself or I believe knew other people, friends and family in his community that also, that maybe had gone through that, even if he didn't. Some years ago, I began to understand and think about Jesus' life. We know the cross was tough, but it may have been more difficult than we even know. You know that we only know between the, Jesus' birth in the age of 30 when he started his public ministry, you know we have exactly one story about his first 30 years? Luke chapter 2, 12 years old. One event. I believe perhaps someday for those of us who are faithful and make it to the other side and get to see Jesus face to face, the resurrected Jesus, and get to know him we may have found out he had a lot more challenges than we even knew about. But you know, there was a there was a two-year-old Jesus, there was a preschool Jesus, there was an element, there was a junior high Jesus, there was a high school Jesus, there was a young adult Jesus. You know, we don't know much about Jesus' life. But because it was a fully human experience, like we had, we know, we know one thing's for sure, his family was dysfunctional. We just don't know to what degree. You know why? Because your family is dysfunctional. You grew up in a dysfunctional family, poisoned by sin. And if you're a parent, you have led a dysfunctional family. For the same reasons, poisoned by sin. The flesh, humanity. We don't know what Jesus' parents, were they good parents? We don't know what is, you know, what, what kind of marriage they had. It is interesting that we never read about Joseph or hear about Joseph, his earthly father, after the age of 12. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Seems like if he didn't die or they didn't get divorced, he was at least perhaps a, we might call an absentee father and not one that had a strong influence in the home. But here's the thing. And this is why we need to stick with Jesus. Because whatever we're going through, Jesus gets it. When you're going through something and you pray, you know that Jesus gets us, that he empathizes. Somebody empathizes, it means they, they care about what's going on in your life and they feel what you feel. 
And, you know, we try to be that for each other and bless our hearts. We succeed to one degree or another, but Jesus gets it. I'll say it again. Everything that you or I might go through, he either experienced it himself, or I believe he knew other people, friends, family, people in his community that experienced it. And the reason he came is because he could come here, live a sinless life, die on a cross, go back to the, be at the right hand of the Father and plead our case and help the Father to understand how difficult it is and how challenging it is. Matthew 26, I believe I'm looking for verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along with him. And he began to be overwhelmed with sorrow and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus, why don't you tell us how you really feel? There's one reason I read that. Is that Jesus in humanity, and the way that we know how the story ends, first of all, the guys that he's trying to get help from fall asleep on him. But then he prays, of course, and then he rises to the occasion and he goes to meet his destiny to die on the cross for our sins. But what's so powerful about this and the healing that we need that Jesus understands is that we all, to be healed, need people close enough to us that no matter what we're going through, we can sit down with them and we do sit down with them and we tell them in unvarnished, raw, bold, powerful words what is going on in our life. The very act of sharing with another person how you feel and what's going on in your life and being open like that is powerful and it's healing. But the truth is, in any challenging situation, because of our humanity, I'm going to tell you, since the beginning of the year, i fortunate to have a lot of friends, and I have worn them out telling them what's going on in my life and how tough it's been. You know, if they can't do anything else, they can pray for me. And if they're like Peter, James, and John, they fall asleep, then at least I can be comforted and healed by the knowledge that they showed up and they were present. They may have failed gloriously, but be thankful for the people that in your time of trouble, even if they don't know what to say and they're clumsy and they're confused and they say all the wrong things, just be happy that they showed up because the fact that they showed up shows that they care. One last scripture, John 11. So we'll close here. Another familiar story, at least to me, that came to have special meaning. It's the story of Lazarus. 
And I'll give you just a little background in John 11 is the story. It's sort of toward the end of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus gets a message. He's out on the road preaching the gospels. Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. And you might know that he had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and we know a little bit about them. We know nothing about Lazarus, really. This is basically it. But being unknown to us, perhaps, biblically, the people who knew Jesus knew they had a special relationship. And Lazarus was somebody that Jesus loved. And he may be unknown to us. And as far as we could tell, he was not a leader. He was not a disciple. He was not an apostle. He may have been a disciple. We don't even know that for sure. But he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't named. He wasn't mentioned. There weren't any glory stories about Lazarus. That tells you something about Jesus, right? Sometimes we think the only people that Jesus would really care about are the people that are important and that have done great things for God and that are leaders maybe. Or, You know, this story tells me Jesus loves you just as much, even if you were never a leader, never wanted to be a leader, uh, used to be a leader, whatever your category is. Nobody ever thought you could be a leader. Jesus loves. The story goes on, Jesus, Lazarus dies. And the story's interesting because Jesus clearly delayed showing up and let Lazarus die. Now, we understand later as the story goes on, he had a purpose for that. Because he was going to do this resurrection of Lazarus. And he was going to, and he did, and he was going to demonstrate for that how we spiritually can be resurrected and how at the end of our earthly physical life, we can have a, a resurrected life on the other side in eternity. And, but th- nobody there understood that. So if you know the story, he shows up finally after Lazarus is dead. And Mary and Martha are just great. They go like, well, way to go, Jesus. If you showed up, you could have kept him from dying, but you didn't get here in time, right? So let's begin reading. Verse 33, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw him weeping, and the Jews who had come along with him weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how he loved him. The point of this story is not how much Jesus loved Lazarus. But he was already going to raise Lazarus from the dead, wasn't he? So when all the people, he sees Mary and Martha and all the family and the friends and the community weeping because Lazarus died. Jesus is deeply moved in spirit. Not because Lazarus had died, because Jesus cared and felt and empathized with everybody there who was in pain because of a situation that he was going to change moments later. That's how Jesus loves. So here's the thing. Here's what I have 
and all the times over the last few months as I've come out of this place of darkness. Many times I have connected with Jesus in prayer and meditation. I've thought about this story. I've thought about what it means. As my own tears flowed, I understood Jesus weeps with me. Whatever you're going through, now or in the future, Jesus, the one and the only, the Almighty, the Son of God, came here to relate to our human experience. And whatever you're going through, Jesus weeps for you. And if you'll give Jesus a chance, it is supernatural. It is miraculous. You can, nothing about my situation may change, but I can start to feel differently. I can start to experience life differently. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. It may not be the miracle you want, but it just may be the miracle you need. Thanks again for joining us here at the Real Life Theology Podcast by Renew. I really hope that this message by Reese was helpful and impactful for you in your life and ministry. Again, if you missed the announcement at the beginning of the episode, we are moving our Real Life Theology Podcast to Wednesday mornings instead of Tuesdays. And we also have two more podcast channels that are going to be on our platform on Tuesday and Thursday. Make sure to check those out and looking forward to having you back with us next week.